Matthew chapter 18, verses 23 to 35. Somebody read that out for us. Matthew chapter 18, verses 23 to 25. Amen. Father, Lord, we thank you and we praise you for your word. We thank you for your word. It's powerful, Lord. We thank you for your word can minister to us and totally transform us. This morning, we yield ourselves to you. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh upon us. Mold us, make us, mend us, impress your image upon us. Every resistance to the preaching of God's word, we bind them in the name of Jesus. Every critical spirit be stilled in Jesus' name. We take victory in this house. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Praise God. Today's message is titled, Let Go. Let Go. Turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, Let Go. Let Go, Let Go, Let Go. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I believe that this particular parable is very familiar to all of us. Jesus quite often used parables to transmit spiritual truths to his disciples and to the people that he ministered. He also at times used parables so that certain people would not understand, but later on he would make it very clear. So Christ had a unique way of teaching. And whenever he wanted to transmit a spiritual truth, he would use a parable which was easier for people to understand. Here, this parable is being used by Christ as one of his disciples poses a question. And there is a reason for the question that he asked. 
As you study this chapter and the following chapter, you will understand that this particular parable is sandwiched between two things. One is Jesus is laying down how one needs to take care of conflict. And following this particular parable, we see the issue with marriage and divorce. And for both of this, what is required is forgiveness is required. Whether it is conflict resolution that comes up or issues in a marriage that comes up, forgiveness is a key element that you cannot simply overlook. Many of marriages, they end in disaster and they dissolve because the couples are not willing to forgive each other's offense. And when we study the Bible, we see the Bible gives much importance to forgiveness. Just like God has forgiven us, God wants us to exercise that virtue in every arena of our lives. In our relationship with our spouses, with our children, with our fellow brethren, with our neighbors, wherever God has placed us, you and I will have occasion where God would give us an opportunity to forgive the offense of people who has offended us. Praise the Lord. Hardly one can live in this world without being, get, without being offended. One way or the other, there are people who will bring offense in our life. So we as God's children, God expects us who have received forgiveness to forgive people who have offended us. So as we look at this particular portion, Christ brings a parable to bring this truth to his disciples. And if it is applicable to his disciples, then we who are his disciples today, it is very much applicable to us also. Praise the Lord. So in the immediate context, we see Christ is laying down some principles how to bring forth conflict resolution that happens in our life. This is what Jesus says. This is what Jesus says. This is what Jesus says. Christ brings, he lays down four steps in the conflict resolution. Number one, it's recorded in Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 to 17. In a private conference, humbly confront the person who has offended you. The second step, Jesus says, when that first step fails, the offended party should take along one or two witnesses and confront the person who has offended us. The third step that Jesus brings is, next step, bring before the church. And the fourth step that Jesus brings is, the offender, if he's still unrepentant, church should reject that person's company and exclude him, her, from church fellowship. So this is what Jesus lays down um, as he is with his disciples. After listening to this, you know, after listening to this, after listening to this, uh, Peter poses a question. Peter says, Master, 
You know, he raises a hypothetical question there. He says, Master, let me control it, please. Thank you. Okay. Master, <laughs> Master, uh, what happens if someone offend, offends me? How many times should I forgive? Should I forgive him seven times? So the teaching that was prevalent at that particular time was, people, you should forgive two or three times. Peter, he adds some more and he throws the number seven there and said, should we forgive seven times? And Jesus responds to that and says, not seven, but seven times, 70. And then he shares the parable with them. Interesting parable. Jesus talks about a king and his servants. The king had a servant who owed him lots of money. Uh, here, Jesus uses the figure 10,000 talents. Well, the number 10,000 might not be very big for us, but when we understand what 10,000 talents meant at that time, we probably would understand what it is. If we were to say it's 10,000 rupees, immediately we would calculate and we will say, well, it ain't much. If we were to say it's $10,000, yeah, but it's not too big of a number. But if somebody were to say it's 10,000 KD, anybody know what KD is? Huh? Right. The Kuwaiti dinar, which is very, very valuable, uh, we will realize that it's a bigger number. But for us to understand, it will be important we understand what this number was, 10,000 talents. In those days, the entire tax revenue of Galilee of one year was only 300 talents. So that would tell us what it meant, what that number meant. Okay, so if Galilee's entire one-year tax revenue was only 300 talents, now imagine what it meant for a person to owe 10,000 talents. In today's numbers, it could be somewhere around 10 to 12 million dollars. It's a huge amount for a servant who's working for a master, working for a king. So, this king is calling all his servants and he's settling the accounts. As he's settling the accounts, this particular servant comes before him and says, Hey, settle the account. And this guy says, Master, have mercy on me. You know, I will pay everything back. Give me some more time. And the king says, No mercy. Probably ran out of time. The debt is too large and the numbers keep growing. So, Throw him into the prison, get him, get his, his, his wives, his kids, sell them as slaves, get all his possessions, sell them, you know, and then we'll try to see how much money he will be able to compensate. Throw him in the jail till he pays everything off. The man falls down, cries out, pleads, begs, the king has mercy on him. All right, the master has mercy on him. All right, he says, I'm going to cancel your debt. I'm going to write it off. Is there anybody here 
who has your debt written off. You know how it feels when your debt is written off? Suppose you have a huge mortgage or you have a huge student loan and you get a call saying that, hey, your student loan is going to be written off. Man, I don't know. You will probably jump up and down. Okay? If your mortgage was written off, somebody paid it off, you know, the next day you went to the bank to pay and they say, sir, you don't owe anything because uh, someone paid it off. You'll be like, whoa, you want to know who it is? So the joy that we experience based on the enormous figure that we have would be great. So this this particular servant, he goes out of the presence of the king, and as he's going home, he founds one of his fellow servants. And that guy owes, the Bible says, 100 denarii. Now, com- comparing, not 100 talents, 100 denarii, all right? So, comparing to $10,000, 100 denarii was nothing, probably $20, Compared to 10 to 12 million dollars. Small amount. A fragment of it. A small fraction. Alright, so they meet each other and this guy says, Hey, you owe me something. You got to pay it, pay it off. Well, the guy says, you know, please give me some time. And the Bible says this guy becomes violent. He becomes aggressive. What does he do? What does he do? Huh? He grabs him. Can, can I have a volunteer from one of you guys? One of you. Volunteer. One of you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you very much. All right? So the guy, this is what he does. He goes and he grabs him by his thing. And he's like, make noise. Now, if I really choke him, I think his parents will jump up and say, stop it. That's why I asked for volunteers. All right? I could have just. So imagine that. He's grabbing you publicly in the street, choking you, and demanding you to give $20. Thank you. And the guy says, please, I will pay it back. Give me some more time. And this guy says, no way. I want it now. I demand it now. I demand it now. He says, give me some more time. I promise you I'll pay. He says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to throw you in the jail till you, throw you in the prison till you give it back to me. Okay. Now when you read verse 26 and 29, it's very interesting to see the similarity that Jesus uses in verse 26 and verse 29. Verse 26 is the plea of the first servant who owed 10,000 talent to the king or to the master. Verse 29 is the plea of the servant who owed 100 denarii to the fellow servant. They both are similar and identical. And I believe that they both had the same kind of passion and plea with it. But the first one, he had his debt written off. The second one, we see that he throws him into the prison. 
Now, when all these things are happening, Jesus says, there were other servants who were silently watching what was going on. They go to the king and they report to the king or the master what has happened. Immediately the master calls him and he says, man, you are such a wicked servant. You know, shouldn't you cancel the debt or forgive this man who owed you 100 denarii when he was pleading to you, how come you forgot what I did for you? So this is the parable that Jesus presents to his disciples. And then Jesus brings his own final touch to it. How is this applicable to you and to me? Praise the Lord. It is applicable to each and every one of us in our daily life because in our dealings with each other, we are human beings and we have the potential to do mistake, errors, sometimes unintentionally, sometimes intentionally. Praise the Lord. But what is it that God expects from each and every one of us? Jesus is driving a very important lesson here about forgiveness. Number one, we have to come to the grips and understand that forgiveness is not easy. It's not easy. As easy as it sounds, when the rubber hits the road or when it touches you and me, we will realize that it is not easy to forgive at all. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Because the forgiving person, he has felt the pain. He has felt the hurt. He has felt the damage. He has gone through situations that has rocked his boat, that has brought every kind of pain that's imaginable in his life. And for that innocent party to fully acknowledge that the wrongdoing of the offending party and let him go free even though when you know that the person is guilty of offending you, it's not simple. It's something which is very odd. Praise the Lord. For, to forgive people who have offended us is not easy. You cannot simply forgive people with our own ability. Praise the Lord. You need a lot of grace to forgive others who have offended us. Praise the Lord. When you look at that story, you will see how Jesus uses the staggering number, which brings the image to our mind that it is impossible to pay back. Praise God. Sometimes people can offend us. People can walk all over us. People can step on us. People can backstab us. And what God expects of us is that we should forgive them from the depth of our heart. And that's not easy. Praise the Lord. But when we understand from this particular story, what is it that God has done for us? Praise God. 
when we understand the debt that we owed, we could not pay it off. God who is merciful, this is how Paul puts this, God who is rich in mercy. Praise God. He is rich in mercy. Do you know that the God that you and I serve is rich in mercy? Praise God. Karna Sambaranaya Devamo. Praise God. God who is rich in mercy. Praise the Lord. If God wants us to be rich, He wants us to be rich in the realms of God. Praise God. What does that mean? It means God wants us to exercise not only experience grace of God in our lives. He wants us to exhibit grace and he wants us to exercise grace and he wants us to extend grace. Praise God. Quite often, me, you and I, we all are content with experiencing grace. Praise God. When we want sins to be forgiven, when we want offense to be forgiven, we want God to just simply erase it off. And God who is rich in mercy would do it for us. But quite often we have experienced that grace in our lives. God expects us to do what? Become extensions of God's grace. In other words, what you have received in your life, why don't you give it out? Let me tell you, if all of our lives, if we were to release, let go of every offense that everyone has ever committed against our lives, it does not compare to how much God has forgiven you and me. Praise the Lord. You and I could have never, ever paid off that debt. But Jesus, hallelujah, he canceled that debt. He erased that debt. He looked at the book, praise God, and he striked every one of them off. Praise God. And what he expects us of us is that we do the same to our fellow brethren, to those people who are around us. Praise God. What was the, 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 the forgiveness based on? The forgiveness was based on the fact that that servant was broken. He was contrite and he fell down and said, please have mercy on me. Praise God. He didn't say, I will not pay. What does he say? Did he say, I will not pay? I will repay everything. He's not saying I'm not going to. But the master looked at him and had mercy on him. Praise God. He realized that this guy, even though if he works the rest of his life, he will not be able to pay. So he canceled it. Praise God. That's a picture of how, how benevolent and how generous our God is. Praise God. How forgiving he is that he is willing to forgive. Praise God. Cleanses of all of our sins and our offense when we are truly contrite and come into his presence and tell him, Lord, I cannot do this by myself. And then what Jesus does is, he does is, you know, he brings the nature of God and the nature of man. 
in presence the nature of God versus the nature of man. The nature of God is he's willing to forgive and the nature of man unless there is a transformation taking place in his life, he's not able to replicate what he has received in his life. The nature of man is that he does not want to let go of. Now, I want you to come with me for a second, okay? Imagine that I am standing before this king, all right? And I experienced this overwhelming grace, this overwhelming forgiveness, all right? And I'm so grateful. We all are grateful when we have that feeling that God has forgiven us. Praise God. When we truly come to him and with a, with a broken heart and a contrite spirit, we plead with him, we ask him to let go of that offense, the release that you and I experience is awesome. All right? So he experienced that release. But then what happened is he walks away from the presence of the king and he finds his fellow servant. And then you don't see the same person. Quite often, we are unable to release those who are offended us most of the time much, much lesser smaller offense than what we have done, we are not able to let go. It's because we have stepped out of the presence of the king. Praise God. See, it was in the presence of the king, he experienced the overwhelming grace, the overwhelming presence of God, and the benevolence of God. He experienced and he was happy about it. But when he stepped out of the presence of the king, he forgot everything. You know, when we are unable to forgive others, when we have checked out of the presence of the king, praise God, when we check out of the presence of the king, we are not able to let go of people who have offended us. Praise God. We are not making light of the offense, but taking into consideration what God has already done for us. Praise God. If we are still checked in. See, the presence of God, I don't have to come to the sanctuary to experience the presence of God. You can experience the presence of God in the sanctuary. In the New Testament, it is not a place. You and I are the temple of the living God. As the temple of the living God, you and I become carriers of the presence of God. But quite often what happens is we have this tendency of checking in and checking out. Praise the Lord. We check in and we say, Jesus when he has checked in, I want to praise you. I want to make my needs known unto you. Bless me, fill me, and Father, 
bestow grace upon me. When that's over, quite often what we do is we check out of the presence of God. When we check out of the presence of God, we tend to forget how much God has done for us. That's when we become very stringent. That's when we become miserly in giving grace out, in extending grace, in becoming, exhibiting grace to others is because we have checked out of the presence of God. What is it that God wants us to do? He wants us to check in and stay in. Praise God. Tell your neighbor, check in and stay in. Check in and stay in. In other words, don't depart from his presence. Even when I depart from the church, I should not depart from his presence. See, that's very important. When we are in the presence of God, our minds, our actions, our attitudes, our dispositions, our temperaments, they all are governed in the atmosphere, in the environment of God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So when we are staying, living in His presence, praise God, every aspect of our lives are governed. Praise God. In other words, you are in that atmosphere. You are in that environment. Praise God. You experience the aura of God's presence because you're living in the presence of the king. When we live in the presence of the king, it affects and it impacts every arena of our lives. Whether we are by ourselves, whether we are in front of people, our thought realms, our attitudes, everyone is affected by the presence of the king. And when we forget that we are living in the presence of the king and that we are carrying the presence of God, praise God, what happens? We tend to be different. Praise God. Hallelujah. Quite often we forget what God has done for us and what we do, we act in a different way. So here, what does this man do? This, this servant does. You know, he does what? He puts him in the prison. He says, I'm going to put you in the prison till you pay it back. All right, now I want you to ask you a question. Okay? What is the chance of this guy paying his $20 back? You think it's easy for him to pay it back by being in the prison or being outside? So in other words, this, what this guy is doing is he's making sure he's going to put him in the prison. He's not. He's going to put a hook on him and he's not going to let him go. See, this is what we do. All right? When we are unwilling to forgive, do you know what we do? Instead of extending grace, what do we do? We put a hook on people and we hold on and we hold on. And we hold back. And if we are not living in the presence of the king, that hook that's hurting 
others, the hook that's hurting our fellow brethren, our neighbors, our spouse, our children, it gives us a kick. When you hold an offense for a long time, and you have no intention of letting go of it, I want to tell you, in the light of God's word, what's driving you is not, why don't you answer? Do you think what's driving us is godly or ungodly? Praise God. The motive the drive, the energy is not godly. Praise God. But when we check in in his presence, then the energy that flows through us is a life-giving energy. It's a refreshing energy. It's an energy that brings in new leaf. Because you have the right to put that hook. You have the right to keep that hook. You have that hook to keep that person bound. But you decided, I'm going to let go. And do you know what happens when you let go? Praise God. Hallelujah. Two things happen. We quite often only think about that person who has offended us. You know, we only think about, well, I don't want to let him go scot-free, or I don't want to let her go scot-free. But what happens is, when we let go of the hook, praise God, the first thing that happens is, the release is experienced, not by the offending person, but we who have been offended. Praise God. We experience that release, because we are the one who has put the hook. Praise God. Where is the other end of the hook? If the hook has two ends, one is right here, I'm hooked. Say if I'm hooked. Where is the other end? Yeah. Praise God. And so we who have experienced grace, God expects us to what? Let go. Let go. Meaning, praise God. What does that mean? It means to forgive. Praise God. What does God's forgiveness that we have experienced demand of us? Praise God. It insists that we look at others the same way God looks at us. Praise God. In other words, God can use the principle of justice, praise God, on the cross, you see forgiveness, and you see justice, okay? I want you to understand, God is just, he does not wink at sin, praise God, but he has taken everything upon himself, and he has, he has forgiven us. We who have been forgiven, praise God, God expects us to forgive, forgive others, Use the principle of mercy. Praise God. Hallelujah. When we forgive our offenders, the innocent party liberates him. 
Praise God. They, who liberates him? The innocent party liberates him and let him go free. This is what God has done in regards to our sin. Praise God. But when we are unable to forgive, it puts us in the process of self-imprisonment. Not trying to get even. Now, let me ask you a simple question. Who are you in this story? Who are you in this story? Who am I in this story? We all are people who have experienced forgiveness in our lives. But if there are people who have hurt us, people who have offended us, praise God. Are we willing to let go of them? Praise God. If not, what happens is that we are, at times, we are putting ourselves in prison. Self-imprisonment. Imprisonment of unforgiveness. Praise God. When we don't want to forgive others, we put ourselves in the prison. Of what? The prison of unforgiveness. Now, it's interesting how Jesus ends that. He says, look at the Father. He forgives again and again. Now, the Bible is very clear. I don't want you to, 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 to get a wrong picture here. The Bible expects the children of God to live in such a way that it is pleasing to the Father. Praise God. Here, we are not condoning sin. We are not celebrating sin, but we are talking about people who offend us. The, uh, the inability to forgive those who have offended us. And this can happen to anyone. In our natural ability, we are not able to forgive. But when we are in the presence of the king and our hearts are filled with the gratitude and grace, we are able to release People who have offended us. Praise God. We are able to forgive how many times? Over and over and over again. Praise the Lord. Now, I hope that doesn't give someone the idea. Well, if we are going to forgive over and over and over again, why don't I keep offending you over and over and over again. Is that what it means? Definitely not. That's not what it means. But what Jesus was trying to say is that you and I need to have the, 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 the nature of Christ in us. Hallelujah. If we are not able to do that, we need to come into the presence of the Lord and say, Father, today forgive me for not forgiving. Forgive me for not forgiving. Think for a second. Is there anybody in your life that you are holding on? That you have put a hook and you will not just say, I'm not going to forgive him. I'm not going to forgive her. Is there anybody in your life like that? Think for a moment. If you can't remember, take your phone and start with A. And I'm telling you, we're going to start. We're going to get, oh, I got somebody from A. Then I moved to B. I got somebody from B too. Then I moved to C. I got somebody with the name C. You're going to find people who are there. Perhaps not. 
if you are living in the light of the king? Not, but yes, if you are not, you might be, okay? So, this is very important for us. But as human beings, it's a big struggle, guys, you know? To what? To forgive and to forget. That's a big struggle. And that's where the enemy quite often gets us because we are not able to erase the memory. We can't. It's, it's very hard for us. But look at God. What does the Lord tell us? He says, no more shall, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin, I will remember no more. Praise the Lord. Okay, now that's God. But how about us? You think that's possible for us to do it? Yes, no? Is it possible? Is it possible? Clara Barton, founder of American Red Cross, was approached by one of her friends that was very close to her and asked her, hey, do you remember that incident in your life when such and such person hurt you really bad? And this is how Barton uh, responded. The question was, don't you remember it when she tried to like just step away from that conversation? The friend continued to press and ask, don't you remember it? Don't you remember it? Her friend asked. This is how Barton responded. No, came Barton's reply. I distinctly remember forgetting it. I distinctly remember forgetting it. Praise God. Can we ask God, God, give me the grace to forgive and to, and to forget. And if we are going to carry remnants, Lord, help me to remember to that I have decided to forget it. Praise God. That's a big challenge. Hallelujah. But we see that men and women of God who have, who have experienced grace and who wants to exhibit grace have people, are people, who have risen up in, in, in the moments of challenge in their lives. You remember Nelson Mandela. This is what Nelson Mandela said when he left the prison. He was in prison for decades. The day that he was leaving the prison, as he was getting ready to walk out of the prison, this is what he said. As I stand before the door to my freedom, I realize that if I do not leave my pain, anger, and bitterness behind me, I will still be in prison. I'll read that one more time. Quote, As I stand before the door to my freedom, I realize that if I do not leave my pain, anger, and bitterness behind me, I will still be in prison. End quote. How many of us are still in prison? Because we cannot let go of offense, let go of pain, let go of hurt. It could have come from your spouse. It could have come from your children. It could have come from your fellow brethren. God wants us to live in peace. 
God wants us to live in harmony. God wants us to live in accord. God wants us to celebrate the life of Christ. But we will never be able to do it even after we have experienced forgiveness of our sin if we are not willing to let go. Praise God. If we are not willing to let go, we cannot experience that in our life. Praise God. You know, holding grudges does not make you strong. It makes you bitter. Forgiveness does not make you weak. It sets you free. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. See, if you want to go, first you got to let go. God wants us to rise up. God wants us to move into new dimension. God wants us to rise up about the mediocre life that we live, the defeated life that we live, the, the life of, of, of disruption, the life of discord, the life of, of unhappiness, the life that we are living where we cannot experience what the Bible talks about, the abundance of life that Jesus came to give us. If we want to experience that, we have to let go. Let go of what? Let go of what? Let go of offenses. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Jesus put the four steps. You use that four steps. And even when that th people are not willing to work with you, you let go and you experience life in abundance. Praise God. Hallelujah. When you let go, praise God, what happens is you soar into new heights, experiencing the bliss that God has purposed and ordained for you. All eyes closed. Every eye closed. We're going to conclude right here. Let me ask you something. Is there anybody in your life that you are holding out forgiveness? Anybody. Does the Spirit of God bring anyone's image to your mind? Maybe that person has ran over you. Maybe that person has stepped on you. Maybe that person has backstabbed you. Maybe that person has double-crossed you. Maybe that person has let you down. Praise God. Regardless of what it is. Can you ask the Lord? Lord, give me the grace to forgive and to forget. Forgive me for not forgiving. Is there anybody in the house who would say, Lord, forgive me for not forgiving? Praise God. Hallelujah. Would you allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you? Praise God. Don't fight back. Don't fight back. Don't fight back. Go. 
God wants you to experience release liberty freedom joy peace happiness in every realms and if this is weighing you down he's saying just let go give it into the hands of the lord let him handle it and i'm telling you god is a just god he knows how to handle things he will handle things for you praise god father we come in the name of jesus lord quite often we are not willing to release we keep holding back but this morning father we pray that we will realize that god wants us to live in the presence of the king and to not only experience grace but to give grace out and if any one of us is holding back forgive us that we could not forgive and this morning give us the grace to let go thank you father thank you father in jesus name we pray everybody said amen